Well, we're going to uh, start by thanking ourselves back on the train. Um, we thought about what was hard about it, what the heat was. We were thinking about our, our heat. What are, the, what are the challenging situations in which we live? They may be serious, they may be uh, slight, but the challenges are always there. Um, and we want to think now a little bit more about the thorns, uh, the things, the, the responses that are coming out of us, the, the irritation with the person who's in the way. Um, for those of you here last night, I, I gave the little example about taking out the recycling and a bottle falling off the top. Um, what, what were my thorns in that example? Can you remember if you were here? I was angry with my wife, yeah, who, who was only, yeah, nothing to do with it. I went, <clears throat> so that you, could, you could hear that particular thorn. That was that, you know. Um, uh, so that, that, that's right. It's not, it's not a difficult um, question. What I'd like you to do is just spend a couple of minutes thinking, as you were imagining yourself on the train in that situation, what were your thorns? What were the, what were the things you were doing, the things you'd be responding with, that, um, that if you'd had a bit more time and you were thinking about it, you'd, you'd like to have been responding differently? Um, so we're not only thinking about the fact the train was late. We're thinking about what was going on in you and what came out of you, what was perhaps on your face, what was going on in your mind and your heart, what were some of your... Thorns. Just remind yourselves of that discussion for a couple of minutes. Then I'm going to introduce you to this diagram. Thank you. We, I've put this um, diagram in your booklet. Do do have a look at that now. I'll try and explain. We won't look at it. I won't describe all, every bit of it now. But you can see we were talking about heat, and you can see heat there at the top. So that's the the, the heat of the sun, the challenges, and sometimes the blessings when life is comfortable. We can turn away from God for different reasons. Um, but uh, there, is the, there is the heat blazing down. And there underneath it you can see two trees. Uh, the two trees that came out of Jeremiah chapter 17. Uh, the tree on the left-hand side, full of beautiful fruit, leafy. Um, the tree, the shrub, uh, the desert shrub, spiky, nothing much to show um, in the way of um, fruit on the right-hand side. And when we're conscious of things we do that we're not particularly proud of, like losing our temper with somebody on a train, um, one natural kind of thing we might say to ourselves or the kind of thing we might say to each other, the kind of thing a parent might say to a child is just stop it. Stop losing your temper. Control yourself. Um, Just be nicer. Uh, And we we might really want to try and do that. And on this diagram, that would look like just trying to do this. Trying to change from being um, the thorny tree, from being the, um, the, the fruity tree, by, by sheer force of effort. Now, I don't know um, what size your gardens are like in Blackheath. I suspect there's a range. But imagine that in your garden you have a fruit tree. Let's say it's a pear tree. And um, every year it produces pears. Some years better than others, but every year it produces pears. And the basic problem is that you don't really like pears. There's something about the texture that um, it doesn't quite... And um, I mean, the wasps eat them anyway before you, before you get them, or the birds do. So um, what you really want in your back garden is an apple tree because you really like apples. So one year, at the, at the height of the harvest, you go into your back garden and you pick off all the pears from the tree and throw them away. 
And then you get out of the boot of your car at room temperature, whatever temperature it was, from beside where all the cheese is, you get a big box of apples and a staple gum. And you staple apples in all the places of this tree. And you look at the tree, and this is just now fantastic. You've got what you always wanted, uh, an apple tree in your back garden. And for about three days, it's wonderful. But, of course, you know what happens. Those apples will fall off, and next year, what will happen? It's going to be pears again. And the reason, of course, is that um, you've absolutely done nothing to change the tree. And Jeremiah 17 points us to something that you do need to change if you want to change your behavior. And it's not just trying. It's something different. We're going to think more about our behavior and where it comes from. And then as we um, get into our next session uh, today, we'll think about how it really changes, how God changes us. But first of all, we're going to think about our behavior. So we're going to leave the train on one side now. What a relief. Um, we're going to think back to the situation in your own life that you began talking about. And we were talking before the break about what makes that hard. Where's the challenge coming from? And that's really important. We're not moving on from that. We're not losing sight of that. But in that heat and in that challenge, what are the thorns that you're aware of? What are you doing? How are you responding in ways that um, uh, feel like they're, they're thorny bits, stuff that's not what it could or should be, that you'd, you'd like to grow in. So the task is going to be just to talk in your little groups. What are, the, what are the thorns? What are the thorns you're aware of? So for me, it was the losing my, losing my temper, carrying out the recycling. Um, uh, if I'm stuck in traffic, um, I'm worrying about the consequences of, of being late, perhaps. Um, or I'm thinking about the real reason why I left late and why it's always their fault and how can I cover for them without dobbing them in it when I get there but the thing I really want is that they know it wasn't my fault that kind of big defensiveness you know about being late or I don't know what you were thinking about um you know you you would love when the letter comes through the letterbox you'd love not to be panicking as you open it um what what are the thorns that you're aware of just share that in twos and threes and then we'll think together about where they come from I won't, I won't take feedback. Um, we, won't, we won't try and harvest um, the thorns. But um, as we think about our lives and how we respond in the heat, um, it's usually not too difficult to find examples like the ones I've been given from my own life. And, um, of course, it's remarkably easy when you know people well, when you live in family, you're in a church family, um, to have our attention taken up in the, the ordinary run of life um, by the thorns you see in other people's lives. That's obvious, isn't it? And so um, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to think about, as we think about where these things, where these thorns come from. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. It's printed uh, in the booklet as well. Luke chapter 6. I mean the references, not the passage. We're going to start actually at verse 41. So a couple of verses up from 43. Luke 41. Where Jesus shows that he understands that tendency we have to see the thorns in other people. Luke chapter 6, verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. One of the lovely things about the conversations we've just been having is that we're talking about our own things. We're not being asked to comment on other people's thorns. Um, but in our, in, the, in our own thought life, it's much easier to be fascinated and worried and anxious and want to see change in the specks in other people's eyes, the thorns in other people's life. And um, Jesus is saying when we, when we have that tendency, um, I think that this, this speck and plank, I mean, can you, you, you picture what he's saying here? He's, he's talking about someone who's trying to take a speck out of his brother's eye with a massive plank in his own. It, it, it's, a, it's an absurd story, and he's, he's wanting us to think of it as absurd for me to start trying to put somebody else right. Because we ought to be proportionately much more interested with what we're doing wrong than we are with what somebody else is doing wrong. So it's a healthy way to be thinking. Where are my thorns? What kind of a person am I like to live with? How is it um, that I am rather than other people? And so the question says, well, where does my plant come from? Where does all this behavior come from? And that's where we're looking on at verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's a very straightforward answer to where did the thorns come from. And Jesus is very plain. It comes from your heart. And that is why... Just trying to change fruit, just trying to do better, just trying to be different is of at best very limited, very temporary success. It's like trying to turn a pear tree into an apple tree by pulling all the fruit off and stapling new ones on. The heart is where all the action is. And the heart is the Bible's language for um, us in the depths of our being. It's... um, the capacity God has given me to love or hate, to love him or hate him, to draw to him or turn away from him. And um, we're going to think a bit more about how the heart works in a moment. But before we do that, I want you to try and think on your own about a time when you got into an argument with somebody or a little heated discussion with somebody. Um, Or perhaps you got a bit irritated or grumpy with somebody. I want you to try and think about um, the last time that happened. So I can just give you a moment in quiet to think about some time that happened. And some of us will have to think all of 30, 40 minutes ago. And some of us might have to go back 30, 40 years. I don't know. I don't know. But um, think about a time when you were cross with someone and got into that little discussion with them. And I want you to think about, in that moment, um, why were you cross with them? Why did you argue? What, what, what was convincing you at that point when you were in the argument was wrong? Where was the problem? I don't know about you, but it, for, for me, when, I've, when I'm cross, 
Part and parcel of being cross is the conviction that there is something in them that is the reason why I'm cross. They have not kept their promise. They have not done what they were asked. Uh, They have been unfair. They have expected something of me that they had no right to expect. Something in them. So turn with me to James chapter 4. And um, there's lots of overlap between what James writes and what Jesus teaches. James has clearly been thinking very deeply on Jesus' teaching. James chapter 4, fairly near the back of the Bible, you get Revelation and you go through the little letters of John and um, you end up in Hebrews, which is a bigger one, and just turn on, you get to James. James chapter 4, where James asks this question, we were just asking, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And we've got our answer ready, and James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? That last argument that you got into, that last fight or quarrel that you had, James says was nothing to do with them. It was you, it was your heart. It was something that you wanted that you weren't getting. Fights and quarrels are caused by the desires that battle, not between you, within you. You desire but do not have. Now, this is very strong, so you kill. Do you remember that moment when Jesus says... um, You've heard it was said, do not murder, but I tell you, he who hates his brother has murdered him, has committed murder. That in, in, the, in the thinking of a holy God, the, um, the instinct to uh, fight with someone is, is like you want them out of your way at that point. You would like them just to give you what you're wanting, and if they're not giving it to you, you're willing, you're willing to fight them. That's the same as the instinct of the murderer. That's the ultimate way of getting them out of your way. You desire but do not have, so you kill. And you sometimes hear about people talking about he's got that killer instinct in an argument. He just wants to win. He just wants to be right. He just wants the other person to fold up and give up and, as it were, die so they can have their own way. You desire but do not have, so you kill. So according to James, that argument we got into reveals us to be something of a murderer. You cover, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. I suppose we were expecting that one. That's, that's the tenth commandment. We've had murder. That was, was it the sixth commandment? Now we've got the tenth commandment. Uh, you covet. Thou shalt not covet, but we do. And when we can't get what we want... That's more than what we've got. We quarrel and fight. Um, I didn't want to have to do the washing up. So I'll quarrel about it. I didn't want to have to be taking the rubbish out. So even though she's not there, I've started a fight with her in my heart. I covet, but I can't get what you want. 
Um, you do not have because you do not ask God. There's something else going on here. It's not just about relationships between other people. The thing that I'm wanting, I'm, I'm wanting from someone else. And James is saying that's not the right place to take the things you want. The, things, the, the, the place you're supposed to go for things is God. He's the provider. He's the great one. Of course, when you ask, you don't receive because the motives are so rubbish. Um, and God doesn't give us everything we ask for just because we ask him. But that instinct to want my life to be different and to, to expect somebody else to make it different for me is not only murderous and coveting, but it's also adulterous, verse 4, because God is supposed to be the source of all the blessing and all good in my life, and I'm going to somewhere else to get it. So that, what James is saying is, you know, that those instincts that we have to quarrel and fight... They're not just something that happens in life. They're things that reveal me to be and things that reveal you to be. Um, A a breaker of three commandments, murder, coveting, and adultery, and that the adultery is, is an adultery against God because I've turned away from him as the source of all blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but... When I lose my temper with my nine kids, I, I am not in that moment convinced that this is what the problem is in me. Um, when I get cross with um, being Q's ability to put stuff on the shelf and have it completely mixed up so that you've no idea where it is or when you found it, how much it is, um, that's revealing something really serious and sick in my heart. When the bottle drops off for the fourth time and I go... <clears throat> What am, I, what am I saying about myself? Well, I was thinking about it because I've been doing some of this study at the same time. I think the only reason I could get cross was because, first of all, I expect to be the kind of person who is only presented with straightforward recycling crates to carry because there's something special about me. <laughs> that means I shouldn't be asked to carry on reasonably full crates. Then I'm, I should be the kind of person that when I, when I make an intervention in the world to sort it out, it should work first time. When I pick the bottle up and put it back on the crate... When I do that, the world ought to bow before me and the normal rules of gravity ought to be suspended (laughs) because I'm that important. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm entitled to be angry. And really what I'm saying, therefore, is that at that moment of carrying out the recycling, I, I, I want to be God. And the laws of nature had better change so I get what I want. And if it doesn't, then the world will hear about it. Now, um, at one level, of course, that sounds absurd. Everybody gets cross like that. That's just the normal irritations of life. But what Jesus is encouraging us to see is that that normal thing that's going on is showing something deeply, deeply wrong in us. And God is not showing us this so that we can just despair but so that we can at least start by knowing what we're really like and how we reveal ourselves to be every single day. So the thorns that you're aware of in your life, the, the behaviours, the reactions that come out of you when life is hard or challenging, where are they coming from? As James says they're coming from your heart. Jesus says they're coming from your heart. And this is going to be a safe 
place to go. This is going to be a safe inquiry to have because he hasn't finished speaking to us yet and after our walk in the lovely creation that he's provided for us to keep reminding us of his love and his kindness and his goodness, the grace he keeps pouring down on us, we're going to come back and we're going to look at the cross and we're going to see where he meets us. And uh, it's going to be sweet. But for now, we want to try and ask his help to do some straight thinking about what really is going on inside. Where are those thorns really coming from? What is, what is functioning to drive them in my heart? What are the commitments? What are the desires? Like me in the recycling crate, I, I wanted to be that kind of being that what they, what they do always works first time, and there's only one of those in the universe, and it's not me. And what actually happened in that moment, um, well, the first moment that I've, I've shared with you so far was, was terrible. And, uh, and God meets us and changes us. But what I'd like us to do now is to spend a bit of time, and, and this is hard, actually, so I'm going to pray for God's help in a moment, um, thinking about what, what can we see below the surface? What are the things, the desires, the commitments that are driving these responses really deep down in our, in our heart? I've tried to show you some of what they might be in me. But on page 7 in your booklet, there's a whole list of questions which might help. Now, some of them probably won't connect with you at all. Some of them will think, that's a ridiculous question. It means nothing to me at all. But it may just be that someone else on the table said, no, for me, that's a really good question. That really connects with me. I get, I, you know, that, that's, that's asking a question to me that is, feels a little bit uncomfortable. That's a really good question. What am I loving? That's a fairly straightforward question, but it can be quite a hard one to answer. In, in, that, in that moment of my reaction, what am I loving? Um, and is it really just that I'm loving my friends, or am I loving that my friends think well of me? What am I seeking or aiming for or pursuing? What am I putting my hope? Um, uh, and I won't read them all out, but take a bit of time to look down the list. And in your twos and threes, um, maybe pick one or two or three of those questions that interest you, that think, you think might help you dig below what's going on under the surface in your heart. So you won't begin to get through all of them, but just pick one or two or three and talk about them in your twos and threes. Um, what are my priorities? Question 16. What are the things that are most important to me? That would be an interesting one. Or what are my characteristic fantasies? The next one. Pleasurable or fearful? Where does my mind go? How might that reveal um, the, the kind of unspoken desires that I'm really living for? I keep constructing them in fantasy and then reality is a disappointment. Um, so um, you're going to have a good, a good chunk of time to do this, see how you go. Again, if you get completely stuck, you get completely lost or you, you end up talking around in circles, stick a hand up. I'll... I'll Come try and help. Um, but a, a good chunk of time just to begin thinking about, all right, Jesus says our thorns come from stuff that's going on inside us. What might that be? Um, and it is going to be safe. It doesn't matter how, how, how um, ugly we find ourselves to be. I mean, I, I've, I can be a, a rival to the living God. And we'll discover more about how he meets us in that state. But does that, does that make sense as a task? Pick some of those questions, talk about them together. And so if you get stuck, ask for help. Okay? Again, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, in a moment I'm going to see if there's anything we feel able to um, share from the floor about what we've been uh, discussing. Again, please don't feel that you are now being pressured to say any more than you want to in this context, in this setting. Before I do that, let me just give you a couple more examples. Um, I put up here some things that I've saying I've noticed have been going on in my heart, that thing with the, re- the recycling, the, the bottles, 
that, that I want to be really a, a rival to God. I want to be a being who succeeds first time in everything he does. Um, uh, having an argument with someone, um, I want them gone. I want their preferences. I want their desires. I want what they think are their needs. And whoops, a bit like that microphone. Out of my way, um, so that I can get what I want. I want them gone. Or what about this thing? Um, it's been a, a hard day at work, and I've ended up leaving later than I wanted. And all I can think of as I come home and put my key in the door is that what I would now like, which is I want to be able to sit down in peace, I want to be able to put my foot up, maybe have a cold beer or some other non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> and, um, and what I'd quite like, actually, though it probably doesn't quite get to this point in my hands, I'd like every person that's in that house to appreciate me and serve me. <laughs> Um, I would like them instinctively to know how tired I am and what my needs are. Um, and I'd like them to have absolutely no needs of their own that they're hoping I will come and meet. So this is what the opening of the front door means to me. It's the opportunity for rest and to be served and finally to get um, the thing that has been denied me all day, which is peace. And that is not what God has in mind for me, the other side of this door. What God has in mind for me is that I should fulfill that role with which he's honoured and privileged and promised to enable me, that I get not to be served, but to serve. Does that remind you of anybody? That actually behind that door are people who've had their own days of stress, and I'm an extra pair of hands. They've had their own experiences of energy being dissipated and drained repeatedly, um, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh help in that situation. Um, maybe they've had their great excitements and they can't wait to tell me. But if I come in in that mindset of this is my moment to be served, none of those things are going to hit me the way that they ought to. And so I come in without realising as my keys in the lock. I'm thinking, I, I want from you what God has not given me. And that's going to create war of some kind. And even if I manage... To, to keep up the smile, what's going on in my heart might not be very glad. So those are, those are things of which I'm capable. I kind of get the idea that some of you recognize some of the same in your own lives and hearts. But um, metaphorically, anybody want to come and join me on this stage and share what you've... I'll, I might jot some things down. What, what are you discovering? What are you thinking? Um, are the kinds of things that are going on in our hearts out of which our thorns come? Who would be willing to say something in that in that context? Yeah, Catherine. Finding things that I'm, right. I'm worth more than whatever else. I'm worth more. I'm more important. I, yes. Okay. So this, I'm, I'm just going to write say value something like that. Value. Okay. Thank you. You won't be able to read it, but it makes me feel good to write it. <laughs> um, and I, and I really want to feel good uh, about being able to write. Um, other, other things? Control. Control. Um, I want to control the future, our security, etc., etc. Yeah. Yeah. I am right, so I'm right. <laughs> now, I, just clarify, did you say I am great or I am right? I am right, I am right yes. Yes, I am too. <laughs> no. 
I'm only human. I, that's, I, I'm entitled to behave like this. I'm only human. Ah, okay. So, so um, no one could expect more of me. I'm doing my best. This is, yes. I'm not um, saying, I'm not supernatural, I'm just... Yeah, I have limitations, you know. Put up with it, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the truth. <laughs> me, yeah. We might need another page, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Other things. Yes. Right. Um, so there's a sense there of um, I carry this burden. Um, yeah, this is this is for me to sort out, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I must solve this, or um, th- th- this is on me. Yep, thank you. Other things? Now that was looking at the time. And, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, any other things? Sorry, Eddie. Don't you know how important I am? <laughs> <laughs> Or these other things are not important. Yeah. I'm important and my agenda, yes. And Yeah. And sometimes equals God's agenda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially for vicars, apparently. Yeah. 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 Any other any other things? It's wonderful that you've been willing to to share some of those things uh, coming out of your discussion. This is right. This is um, this is who we are. This is what we we're like. You know. Um, sometimes we want to picture ourselves as um, um, basically good. And then there's this other stuff that we don't sort of quite understand. It doesn't really fit with who we are. Um, that there's this um, there's this sort of stuff which, well, you know, to be honest, if if you weren't here, it probably wouldn't even be a part of my life. But you keep drawing out of me this thing which I don't really want to take responsibility for. It, it's just um, it's just there, and actually I don't like it. And because because this is the setting in which it comes out when I'm talking to you. Um, I, I feel like in some way you must be responsible for it. Um, so so m- maybe this is in fact your problem. Um, I'm cross because of you. Uh, and Jesus is asking us to stop that destructive train of thought, to stop trying to murder our brother or sister or husband or wife, whatever it is, and say, this is me. This is my heart. This is, I, I think these things because this is who I am. And um, so Jesus is asking us to, um, you know, we, I don't know whether saying a confession together in church is a great thing. And confessing our sins is a great thing. And it's very easy to know in general terms we are a sinner. We know we're a sinner because we've been taught with that. Um, we know we're a sinner because um, if we stop to think about it, we can think of some pretty bad things we've done over the last 10, 15 years. And so we know that's in our category. 
what we're thinking at the moment is that there are, there are countless ways in the day-to-day things of our life where we keep re-demonstrating that this is who we are. That those thorns that come out of us are because there is still this mess in us. Now, God has been at work in us already. We're not just great sources of evil. His spirit has been changing us to be like him. In Ephesians, we're told that we've been created to do good works and that he's drawn us to himself so that we can begin to live for him. And we do. And there are moments of great beauty and great love that he enables in us. And we thank him for it. But for the purposes of this bit and our discussion, we're not thinking about all those right now. We're thinking about the stuff that's still proving that we're still sinful. So, and this is slightly beginning to look ahead, but in a, in a good way. You know those times when we, when we might say a general confession um, and we have a moment of quiet just to think um, about why we might need to do that. Let's have a moment of quiet now and the things we've been thinking about our own hearts. Let's have a, a private conversation with the Lord about who we really are, who we've seen ourselves to be again, um, and just... Uh, Bring them to him. Uh, We're going to find out after the afternoon um, activities, as I say, and it's no surprise to us if we've been Christian, how he responds. But let's now not jump ahead to that. Let's just be open in the quiet of our hearts before him about who we are. Let's have a moment of quiet to do that. I'll pray for us. Our dear Heavenly Father, we in some respects, prefer to go through our lives um, pretending and pointing and hiding. And thank you for your great kindness if right now you've stopped us doing those things and uh, you've shown us um, some things that are really still true about us, that we can be full of self-importance, We can be full of arrogance and pride. We can be convinced that other people are the problem. We can be convinced that we have to be the solution. We can be convinced that we're we're right, that um, we ought to be acknowledged and served and honoured and agreed with. We... We want what we want. And who doesn't? We're only human. And as we uh, acknowledge these thoughts before you, we we recognize again um, that uh, there is very great evil here. That we easily fall into ways of thinking and living in which we try to be you or replace you or rival you or turn from you and put our trust in something else or someone else, even ourselves. And uh, we really are a mess. And the reason why there is so much mess coming out of us is because there is mess deep within us. And fundamentally, that's an issue between us and you. And we want to pray, Father, knowing, uh, knowing that somehow... We're able to pray these things to you as our Father. 
we're praying again for help. And we're praying that you'd meet us in our need. And we pray that not just so that we could understand what you've said, but so that in the end our hearts will change and our lives will change. And we won't be the same people tomorrow that we are today. And we pray that you'd continue that great work in us, even even today, as we talk and walk and enjoy your blessing again in different ways with food and creation and games and whatever it might be. And as you meet us again uh, in your word tonight and during the weekend, please change us. We don't actually want to be like this for very much longer. And we turn to you for help. In Jesus' name, amen.